smash bang edition of Inspire AD. You know, one question we get a lot of this, and of course I'm speaking to Justin Bissonette, one half of the ownership of Inspire Pro, uh, is what the fuck we're gonna do? We always get this question, people are like, uh, like, hey, what are you guys gonna do when you run out of episodes? Like, uh, you know, shows, like you run out of shows to discuss, like, what are you gonna do then? Are you just gonna talk about Raw? And no, that's not what we're gonna do. Um, I feel like every time you come over to record these shows, I have you do something stupid for me, <laughs> like we just did. Right? I just had you, I just had you help me move the fridge out so I could vacuum and look for what's creating some sort of mystery odor in my house. And I think honestly, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is uh, domestic servitude. I am really into cleaning. I'm. I think that's what the next, the next. The next series, the, the, the progressive leap is going to be Biss helping me clean the house and me discussing what what is normal. Because I was sitting there going, does everybody do this? Does everybody pull their fucking fridge out and no. vacuum the vents? Like, does any? And Biss is like, bro, I haven't moved my fridge in 20 years. So I'm sitting here going, like, God, is this normal? Am I, am I, am I fractured? Like, I keep pulling shit out, and, like, I pulled the stove out and vacuumed behind there today, you know? I just found a piece of Tillamook cheese under the fucking fridge, and I'm I'm glad I did it, because, ew, right? But, yeah, I think I think once we run out of events to profile, yeah. it's just going to be me giving reviews <laughs> of household cleaning pro- products and actually doing projects. So, I hope y'all, I hope y'all are going to make the leap with us. Yeah, it's not... It's never the uh, it's never actually the content. It's how great the hosts are. Yeah. So I mean, this show is so great because of how great of hosts we are. Yeah. So we could talk about anything. Absolutely. This is what just what we're currently choosing to explore. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, don't worry, guys. Oh yeah. So one of the questions we got was some some question about how uh, do we watch AEW or WWE recently? First of all, no, I don't watch WWE. Though I really and truly do hate myself on a fundamental level, I don't hate myself that much. Full stop. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't watch. No, I think it was in relation to hey, do we watch the guys that have worked for us? But yeah, I I don't watch WWE after the stuff that they've done with Albert. I uh, will not be migrating my. Well, it's just also bad. Yeah, you know. I mean, I I would watch the network because of the archives, and I still watch a lot of old wrestling. Uh, I don't watch the current product, um, and that's not, like, the weird... There used to be, like, this weird indie guy, like, oh, I don't watch that shit. I'm too busy um, doing my thing, right? And and there's... Val- there's Actually, that's helped us out a lot. But uh, I do watch AEW quite often um, because, I mean, and a lot watch, of my friends watch, work for the New show. Japan. I watch New Japan you're pretty religiously, you're, you're yeah. You New Japan acolyte. Yeah. Personally, I think uh, running a company has... Uh, it's changed my relationship with wrestling. Whereas I used to be an avid watcher and follow everything uh, and discuss it. Shout out to my homies uh, at the I Like to Hurt People group on Facebook, which is the best wrestling discussion group there is on the planet. Um, I, I feel like once I became really ensconced in producing a show and working with wrestlers, the drive to actually really keep up with wrestling diminished because it was such a focal point of my life uh, for so long. 
I just it, it, it's something that's kind of all consuming, and I so I didn't feel really the drive to go back and watch television. I also have so much confidence in what we produce. This is going to sound arrogant as fuck, but like when you start doing a show and you see what people are doing with the resources that they have, you start to kind of go, "Damn, really? That's all you can really yeah. do for these people that are paying a lot of money to watch your shit." And so you start. I don't know I got I got pretty bitter. So you know. I don't know. Yeah. Now, I mean, you're able to see clips on social media and that, so you're able to kind of see what the guys are doing from time to time. Yeah. You know? um, but the only thing that, yeah, I'm actively watching is I watch AEW probably about two or three nights after it airs. Um, I can't watch it live because of my current schedule. But um, as far as WWE, yeah, I'll check out the clips on Twitter or whatever if, you know, I mean... But the the big elephant in the room here, right? Like, I'm not super into whatever Keith's doing, you know? Like, um... It's cool to see him succeeding, but... Yeah, like, so... I'm, I'm not going out of my way to see what Keith is doing. I still will um, check out what Ember Moon is doing. Um, Shotzi Blackheart. I mean, that's somebody that I'm trying to keep track of what they're doing. Um, and if I'm missing somebody that's with that particular company um i apologize but i mean those are the main people that i try to keep up with what they're doing over there other than that AEW, most of most of my friends and most of the people that i know that i've worked with are in that company so um you know uh, it's really cool to see eddie being at that level for a, a television company and being able to do what he's doing um and it's really cool to see Ricky Starks being a fucking star on a, a national level. Like, we all knew that he was fucking, you know, seven years ago. So, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, i trying to think. Was there any more, any more questions in the bag? We done? We, well, there's one more, and we can throw this one out there. So, it, and it's sort of like a fantasy one, but if you're building the Inspire Arena... What are let's just go three things because God knows there'd you be a laundry like list. Three things? I'm saying let's keep it to like three things that you definitely want to make sure are in there. Okay, uh, the stage. Yep. The stage with the ramp. Yeah. I really love that. Um, are we are we go, are we being creative or pragmatic here? I think both. Um. I mean, I think we could go either way on it, right? A good backstage area with dedicated bathrooms. Yep. <laughs> because I, we didn't talk about this, but it's literally like we discussed this. Yeah. Um, I would love, yeah, back, a good backstage area that was segmented so that, you know, different people had different areas to do different things, you know. Uh, just also just a good place to to, to have like a, in, included in a backstage area is a good place to have a dedicated spot for filming and photography. Yeah. You know, so I, when, I, when I say backstage area, I really mean a good production area so stage production area and uh honestly just a good bar yeah a good bar yeah the the only thing i thought of besides those i mean the first one that came to mind was a a bar that could could actually service a wrestling show yeah um but i would also enjoy a lobby with a gift shop that's what i love about uh, that's what i loved about the yeah. afs venue yeah was that it has that dedicated bar out front, though. I really do feel like they didn't want the they didn't want the wrestling rabble <laughs> spilling the in with the fucking buds, yeah, yeah these fucking dickheads talking about <laughs> Fellini. They didn't want they didn't want these like dirt ass like like overall wearing bumpkins 
you know, oh, he's a sex spot, bro, you know, next to the guys that are trying to talk about whatever shitty movie they're yeah. there to see or whatever, you know. Like, I really feel like they were embarrassed by us, but there was a, there was certainly something about what we did bring to the venue. I thought we made the venue more eclectic, yeah. personally, you know. So I, 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 always, I was always bummed out by how, I mean, the staff seemed to really enjoy our shows at Do, AFS. And I mean, I, I remember on an off night going up there and sitting at the bar and people being like, oh, you're from Inspire and talking about, like, the shows. Um, so, yeah, I, I think their they're regulars, so to speak, mm-hmm. came and saw our shows quite a bit. Um, yeah. There was a really, really fun... Okay, so this is a good story. Uh, it's, it's, it's It was during our last AFS run, and I'm sitting there uh, at the door... And this woman walks through our, our doors, and she stands next to me. This very kind of like bookish-looking woman with, with glasses. And she's wide-eyed, and she's watching She's watching the show unfold. She's watching a match occur, and the crowd just going nuts. And she kind of gently touch, touches my arm, and she asks me, uh, Is this the film? And I say to her, Yes. Yes, it is. You know. Just kind of playing, because uh, it's like, no, this isn't the fucking film, okay? But you know, I'm just like, yeah. I'm just playing along because you know what? Why not? And she goes, she looks back and forth, and she goes, "Where's this screen?" And I remember touching her shoulder, and I point, and I go, "The ring is the screen," and she goes, "Brilliant!" And she pays money and just walks in. Uh, I. Because like the way I sold it, like I felt like I at that moment I did feel carny as fuck. Yeah, can, uh, can you imagine her going to like her book club the next week to discuss this art film and being like, oh, well, you know, I really enjoyed <laughs> the layers of Steve Arino, and they're yeah. like, who the fuck is Steve Arino? Like that. Yeah. Um. Did, I, this is a long shot. I don't think you ever did, but did you by ever, any chance ever see any of the shows in Arlington? I did the, not. So the PCW um, gym in Arlington had um what they called their their um their hall of fame or their wrestling museum and it was basically just you know one display case full of just old texas wrestling memorabilia and stuff um in their lobby and then right next to that they had all their dvds because this is when you know dvds basically ran independent wrestling um in a booth that you could, if you were waiting in line, you could buy a DVD, you could buy a shirt, you could buy whatever, right? Um, and then you weren't stuck out in the Texas heat. So I always really appreciated that uh, that venue and, and how they had things set up. Um, the other thing you mentioned, plenty of room in the back. I would love to have enough room for a second ring to be set up because oh, then... Uh, you yeah, you're talking. You're talking the dream, brother. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm talking okay. about win the fucking lottery, right? Yeah. So, um, but they they had that as well there. So apparently it's been torn down, which makes me super sad. But. All right. So yeah, man. When, le- when when last we left off, you know, uh, we had been jerked around rather violently by <laughs> the uh, South Austin Sports Center. Uh, and conglomerate, yeah, <laughs> and they're many, first, yeah, first many they, wings. <laughs> so basically, they double booked us, and then they they tried to compensate by selling a, us on this really weird uh, arcade slash uh, uh, sports sports joint up north. But the the 
the joke was all us, because basically the place was going out of business. And then those people tried to hand us off to some 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 goddamn awful astroturfed <laughs> soccer uh, warehouse. That didn't work. And so I decided to hit the pavement, beat, beat the bricks, and just figure out what we were going to do, which ultimately, for the better, brought us back to AFS. I don't know. Maybe someone was feeling humble. Maybe they realized that they could use the money. I don't know. But I know that we went in there. We paid them rent. We went into that space. Uh, and, man, it was good to be fucking home. Is that fair to say? Very fair. Very I, cool. I think... Uh, I think Let- I, I got to say this. I, I got to say, I don't think, out of all the spaces we've been in, that we make magic quite like we do in that space it's just something kind of cosmic man the ley lines are right we're on top of it but every time we run in that building it feels like magic now think about think back right to walking back in that room and just what we felt walking back in that room yeah it was almost surreal right almost like a movie i think i almost cried uh, walking back in like i mean because i'd been to the space before you know i'd spent time there i go see films but when i walked in and i was doing that show it it there was certainly a um, a rush of emotion uh, when I stepped back into the space to to do something there again. It also felt different. It felt some sort. Of, I felt some sort of sense of validation because yeah. I felt that we had unceremoniously been shaken out of the blanket, and I had been treated poorly by someone when we were trying to negotiate get, getting back in. Of course, we also have to mention that the place was shut down for quite some time. Due to renovations and boy did they really elevate that space yeah. um the, the the differences were that this that the room was flipped so when you came back in you didn't go through the hall into that that uh vestibule uh vestibule important word this is going to be something that comes up vestibule the vestibule is the area where the theaters like you go through the double doors from the lobby and then there are the doors that go to the theaters that is the vestibule area the lobby is where the bar is um, but they did a beautiful job of renovating the space. Uh, they added another theater in. And, of course, the stage was gone, tragically. Yeah. That did not belong to AFS or us. That belonged belonged to Deb, the former owner of Marquesa. Um, but, I, I mean, I think a lot of people were blown away when they walked back in. Because yeah. it was... It was a different story, man. Yeah, the, you know? the walls... Remember, the walls were all black yeah. uh, velvet now instead of the... the kind yeah. of beiges but, but the, the lobby was just next oh the level. lobby was amazing beautiful, yeah beautiful looking space yeah. um and and though we are no longer running there i encourage everybody to go there and support afs support the arts and just support that really cool independent space that's showing art that isn't just simply being manufactured or endorsed or spliced up by uh by a corporation you know it's it's it the spirit of independence runs through that space in a way that truly understands independence as a word, not just a fashion, but a spirit, which is a rebel thing, man. And, you know, I miss that space. We made magic there. I hope someday we get to go back. Um, but anyway, yeah, this was a big deal. You know, I don't think we ever thought we'd be back in that space. And yeah. here we are, and we knew that this was a big deal. And um, the card was right. The card was right for this. Um you want to just get back into it? Was yeah. Anything, let, anything? I think, I mean, that just the, the emotions of walking back in that building, right? Yeah. So, um, we start off with kind with, with a, with a real wild match. Um, 
which is appropriate for the building. Yeah. I, I, I felt because of the history that the Inspire Pro title had um, with the with our time when we were with Marquesa, uh-huh. to start off with that match was, was really special, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I will say this. There were a lot of people who never actually got to wrestle in the Marquesa mm-hmm. who, for them, this was a big deal because yeah. they started out watching the shows here. Yeah. And so it was, it was it was really truly like it felt full circle for a lot of folks but our first match uh, on the card was one a lot of people were really excited about and it was one of those matches that I love doing where you really don't know where it's going to go but it, it had Terrell Tempo versus Steve Arino for the Inspire Pro title uh, it's funny because looking back you know Steve-O has his own story with the title he's, he's minted Mr. Inspire Pro um, but he really didn't get that many defenses out of it. When you look at it, it's just that the passage of time was was pretty significant. And um, I know he wasn't real happy about this. He was not happy with, with where it went. The match itself was phenomenal. Yeah. The match exceeded my expectations. I knew it was going to be good. But boy, this this match kicked ass. It was vicious. Yeah. And it's the, a vicious vicious match. This um, kind of this kind of is going to send Steve in a different direction, which I don't think he fully understood at no. the time, but was very necessary. Yeah. You know, some guys need a title. Some guys make a title. Um, Steve is a guy that I don't think needs a belt in order to be valid. He's a guy that people love. He's a fan favorite, you know? And he's always going to be important, no matter what, no matter what's around his waist or what's not around his waist. Um, but I, I felt the time was right, and I thought that this was going to be a hell of a way to start the show with sort of a moment of shock and awe where Steve-O actually does succumb to the abilities of one Terrell Tempo who winds up holding that belt up. And there is really kind of a moment where, man, Tempo is in Steve-O's face after the win. This also plays into some history where, in the past, Steve-O had done some rather underhanded things to kind of get over on Tempo. Yeah. But Tempo, Tempo finally gets, you know, he gets his, his revenge and he takes the title. And, man, he's... He, he's showing a harder edge, for you sure. You do see a harder edge emerge from Tempo here. This is, this is the impetus for... Several things that really uh, move both of these guys in different directions, and it is it is to me uh, chief storytelling here. It's a great match. So we go into the next match, which is submission squad of Evan Gillespie and Gary J, and they're taking on the new movement of Ashton Jacobs and T Ray. This is a good match. This is so the start of this match is. Uh, <laughs> Where Evan Gillespie accuses Chris True of being a ghost, mm-hmm. and this starts the "You're a ghost" chant yep. for Chris True. Yep, which <laughs> actually, which actually pursues him through uh, many, many other shows. This is something that kind of weirdly stuck, <laughs> organic. But yeah, so I believe the the tip was that if Evan and Gary beat uh, Ashton and Tiare, they'd be able to subject Chris to their paranormal <laughs> test to deduce whether or not he was a ghost, and because Chris is very, very uh, staunchly fighting. Uh, that he be subjected to their tests, uh, but yeah. So this this is a great match. Um, they defeat the new movement, and uh, do they subject Chris to the to the test? Uh, not no. We, we think, don't we don't get a vignette. I think we were planning on doing a vignette or something, yeah. but it, it never never came. Yeah, together. this is this is one of the last times we get to kind of play with the ghost angle. Unfortunately, we they, we really were going to do like almost like a ghost hunters type show. So this. Uh, you know the nuts and bolts of this this is also a great chance for ashton and t-ray as a tag team to learn from uh some guys that are know a thing or two about tag team wrestling yeah. and i think uh really helped them out with timing so 
anything else um, you remember from no I not mean, not really but it, it was just it's a lot of fun it put a smile on my face I, I liked that this was something that carried over from this is interesting because if, if you really think about it this carried over across three venues yes like it started oh it did Oak. yeah it, it started at Red Oak it kind of paid off at uh, South Austin Sports Center and of course it carries over to our return to AFS and to me that's that's kind of what makes that angle really special is it something that that it's uniquely our flavor and it kind of shows that no matter where we go we are who we are you know and uh, I was proud of it um, after this we have a six man tag match yeah uh, which was kind of a exhibition style match it's more fun yeah so this also is where we kind of get a, a curveball this weekend right yeah this is the shimmer wrestling weekend which usually would not affect us but a lot of our folks get tryouts and then get put on the main card so it really kind of last second throw throws some stuff our way so Delilah Doom and Kylie Ray are booked outright, so they're not available for the weekend. And then uh, this is supposed to be a showcase of High Young, right? And she actually gets scooped up and signed to the show. So we're kind of scrambling last second to replace her. So we end up with Team Thunder Rosa with um, Frisco Flame of uh, <laughs> previous podcast fame uh, taking place of High Young. Uh, Rochelle Vaughn, who is now... Is it Raquel? Yeah, I'm sorry. It, uh, at this point, it is Raquel Vaughn, yeah. and I say that because now it is Rochelle Vaughn yeah. on uh, AEW Dark. Um, she is really. Is, she is like, yeah. man. She turned. I mean, very different from this this gimmick. And then yeah. the returning Thunder Rosa, uh, taking on Roxy Castillo's portfolio of Alley Cat, Ivory Robin, and Ethan Price. Yeah, big strong boy. This is a fun match, of course. Team Thunder goes over, kind of trying to enforce the fact that, that Thunder Rosa is this individual of influence and and prowess, and uh, it's a fun match, man. People had fun. People had a lot of fun with this match. Yeah. It was just one of those matches that was pure, you know, uh, not 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 comedic, but um, no real bad blood and, and no healing at all, yeah. um, as in healing, as in no no dastardly play. Uh, it's just a, it was just a fun fun match that featured good wrestling and uh sometimes i think the crowd just needs that yeah this is also the the last time that we're at this point ivory's in florida yeah and this is kind of the last time we're able to organize getting her over whereas we we had big plans for for her to be around her and Allie. yeah but yeah so that's kind of kind of what happens after this show so up next we have something that really it didn't really come out like I wanted it to. Um, it was a lumberjack match between Jordan Lennox and Ryan Davidson, where uh, you know it just uh, it felt really. <laughs> it felt like <laughs> it felt like great value brand yeah, lumberjacks. Um, it did. There just there weren't enough of them. Uh, it was just something that I kind of dropped the ball on. I think um, it just it didn't work out how I wanted it to. It was really just supposed to showcase how uncontrollable these guys were. I tried to do this. I tried to do this actually with with Carson and Dell yeah. at at, uh, at Red Oak, and it didn't work there. And by gosh, <laughs> it didn't work here either. But just because there were just there weren't enough dudes, and yeah, we and the, and the dudes that were there didn't really. <laughs> go ahead, man. Tell them why. Oh, uh, 
They, I'm gonna step away because I need to take a break. I need to get me a, another Coke Zero. Another Coke Z. Yeah, well, they should be sponsoring my ass. <laughs> they should be. They should be on. They should be sponsoring this whole podcast, if not the company. I want a Coke Zero Matt. God damn it. Anyway, no. Explain to the people. Explain to the good people out there why these lumberjacks <laughs> make you so laugh. So, the, I don't even know where to start. So, number one. Yeah, we only have like seven of them, so they really don't surround the ring. Actually, let me take a few steps back before we really jump into why the lumberjacks were a laughing part. So this is this is a beautiful build from match to match because we have it's a natural progression of stipulations, which a lot of times old timers will bitch about. Oh, you're just doing shit to do shit. Well. We had this beautiful progression that we're getting to here. The ring couldn't contain them. The ref yeah. couldn't contain them. So, they spilled out. There was so we, a double count out. So we're like, okay, yeah. lumberjacks, we'll keep them, the, like you know, in the ring. Yes, you know, that's the that's the story. Now the the issue. Some of these guys were green and timid. Some of these guys maybe wanted a bigger spot on the card than what they got. But yeah, they were extremely timid as far as being lumberjacks. So I mean. Oh, it is Ryan Davison, right? But like, they weren't doing a great job of being lumberjacks. <laughs> yeah. Just standing around. Yeah. yeah, it was like social hour. Yeah, on the you can really, really tell them apart from the audience, you know? Yeah, like, and I think there was only a few of them were actually in their gear. Only a few. That's what pissed me off. Most of them were like in street clothes. Yeah. Um, like, who's who's this schlub in the hoodie? Oh, Joe. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, ugh. Yeah. So. We get to the end of the match. They're brawling on the outside. They get they get separated, which you know, by the lumberjacks, which then leads to the countout. Now this all the countout then leads to us being able to announce what we knew that we were going to be able to do at the first match, right? What we're building up to is that um, Jack Armstrong now has a cage. So this is our chance to actually do a cage match and actually make it make sense to to do it. So the referee in the ring can't contain them. The lumberjacks can't contain them. Um, so I cut a promo and uh, sh- I thought I shitted harder on the lumberjacks, but I, I was pretty fair to them. Yeah. Um, and now, okay, if I can't contain you, I'm going to lock you inside this cage. And now we have a cage match booked for our Ecstasy of Gold 5 event. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, if we had the same Lumberjacks we had for the Dell and Carson match, and we had Jordan and um, Ryan putting the match together, I think the two would have married together in exactly what we were trying to do. Uh, unfortunately, on this one, the, the lumberjacks kind of let us down. Yep. So, I'm not gonna say all the lumberjacks because a few of them obviously were putting effort in, but they couldn't they couldn't make up for the ones that were clearly not. No, man. No. Anyway, let's move let's let's move on from the fucking smoking debris of the <laughs> lumberjacks. Uh, up next, we have a singles match. Um, this was okay. Yeah, this was um, so Gino and, and Cody and Tempo was a really good match from the month before. So we're kind of running back here with with Cody and Gino. Um, Gino didn't work as dynamically as I, I I had hoped he would. Yeah, or I mean, 
if, let's let's be honest because there's probably folks that have seen his ROW work and yeah. maybe his work in, in Dallas or with Martinez Promotions. Um, we never had that same magic in Inspire. There were there was always um, we never got that like that charismatic Gino for whatever reason. Yeah, no, it just it didn't. I don't know. He, he was just very dialed back here. Yeah. Um, and Cody, if you know Cody, that guy that guy slingshots out of the gate and does some really incredible stuff physically. I mean, I just I thought the pace would be different, and I think sometimes some people work shows with a different mentality. When you go out into different parts of Texas, the style of car typically is that no one usurps the main event. It's yeah. all these guys kind of working in progression according to the car. It's like a climb. Yeah. You know? Whereas what we do is we come out and fucking hit you in the face with a baseball bat, and then we just keep beating you. Yeah. It's just, I, we just we, we exhaust you. And it's not like we come out. The sense is that you don't want to miss the first match. Yeah. Because if you don't show, if you're not waiting in line, you're going to miss something fucking incredible. So we just want you to, we want you to know that you have to be there from the start to the finish. And we yeah. keep our audience up and hot the whole time. And, so. uh, I mean, that's something that, I mean, we'll go back in, in the, the glory days, I'll say, uh, um, at ACW, Right, the idea was that that was the idea. Everything had to be at a certain level. Uh, it obviously fell off at some point, but also uh, Lance Romance, who's another one of my uh, my mentors, used to always say it's it's not about structuring the card; it's about to follow that motherfucker. You know, um, excuse my language. I hate to put some dirty language Man, out on this podcast, um, <laughs> right? But uh, you know, I always like that. That okay, yeah. Let's everyone go out there and do their absolute best, and let's see who who shines the most, right? Um, so yeah, maybe that was the issue at this point that um, somebody was looking at the the match placement and thinking that they needed to uh, to dial it back, which is never what we want. Yeah, when we yeah, it's just it goes against our whole ethos. But anyway, you know, this was okay, but it was not particularly. It was. It wasn't it, in the pocket of what we wanted. Once we pulled out the the tempo aspect, which I think, for no pun intended, changed the tempo, right? Yeah. Um, it was a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, it just it kind of it, it was a dip, because um, you know Gino's talented, Cody's talented, but they just felt like they were wrestling a different style of show. Not 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 Cody necessarily in this equation, but uh, Gino Gino, I don't know. I've have seen Gino do incredible things, but I always felt like he was holding back when he was doing stuff with us. He he, it was a much more simplified style. Um. So Inspire Pro Twin Dragon Connection Title Gauntlet Match, where Davy Vega is coming back for vengeance to get the titles back, and in order for him to avenge that loss and get the titles back, uh, he has to wrestle not only Bruno. Not only Stacy, not only Jay Sirius, he's got to beat them all in a gauntlet match in order to get the titles back. Unfortunately, though, he just doesn't get it done. But this is a this is a fucking good match. I remember this being really good. It's really well wrestled, and the psychology of it is great too. Yeah, it uh, it starts off with Stacy Slade, right, kind of weakening down Davy Vega, and then you know Jay Sirius comes in like he's going to clean up clean up shop and pick the scraps, and you know. Um, 
Davey pulls it out, right? Yeah. And then finally Bruno comes in and, and it's just bones. too much, right? Yeah. That's what I loved about this match was that it was it was there to kind of show that Stacy Slade had something in the ring. You know, we we knew what he could do. Yep. And this was an opportunity for him to come out and show people what he could do as a as a bigger man. And so it really kind of spotlighted him. And then of course you have Jay Sirius and Davey. We know that those guys can go and they go. It's vicious, but it really takes Davey to the limit. So the psychology is there. And then of course Bruno comes out and it's just it's you know Davey's tenderized at that point. And of course the heavy hearts retain. But this was this was a really fun match. Yeah, and now we have the the hearts are solidified as the tag team champions here. Um, so yeah, and then of course we have Andy Dalton is versus Rex Andrews. Yep, and this is um this is playing off the fact that Dalton has uh has turned down the new movement after he becomes a lawless darkness, and that Rex Andrews has uh, embarrassed Chris True by losing to ACH. Yeah. So that uh, he can make the amends by by you know taking out Dalton, t- taking out Dalton. Um, so these guys actually have a very competitive match. Um, it's Rex and it's it's Andy, right? And uh, we're sprinkling in more of the babyface leanings for Rex. Um, and towards the end, the new movement uh, jumps in, and we get a no contest here. Yeah, so, which is, of course, supposed to be setting up this idea that Rex and Andy have to kind of team up in the face of uh, the, the new movement, you know? It's it's kind of creating this, this interesting team of guys that I think are kind of like these pure wrestling hard asses versus uh, this burgeoning heel stable, you yeah. know? Um, and I think we kind of know where we're going with this, but this will become more evident at the next event. Yeah. Um, we have uh, the submission squad come out to save the day, which I think was going to lead up to uh, a multi-man, but we, we'll we get to that when the Yeah, the yeah, this is, this is actually where I feel like things kind of started to erode with the submission squad because I, I was very disappointed. You know, we booked this idea where they would come out and kind of kind of go after true but they yep. were they were really eager to get out of the building and they didn't want to do the spot but somehow i think you talked them into yeah sticking around well i think it was um you know it's that 16 hour drive home yeah. um so yeah i think they came out in street clothes and ran off the, yeah the squad well so. i did but they didn't want to even do the spot yeah. but it was supposed to set up some other stuff <clears throat> but it was, it was unfortunate you know stuff like that happens but you know so, before we get into our main event, which is for the uh, Inspire Pro Pure Prestige title, there's a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes here. And um, this is about the time where I start to feel really strong frustration with one Matthew Palmer. Um, so, we'd really been building up to this idea where Matt gets the primary title and is just this monster heel that everybody hates. We had a lot of plans for him, but in typical Matthew Palmer fashion, he decides last minute that he does not want the title. Now you got to understand the thing that made me frustrated with Matt was he's the kind of guy that switches gears. I'm sure that he would contradict this, but he's fucking wrong. Okay. And I'm sure Biss will back me at first. Matt was the kind of guy that just wanted to have good matches. Just good matches. Matches with guys that he knew that he could drag it out of. Matches that he felt could be worthy of being featured. 
But then he would go back to saying, oh, I want to wrestle names. But then would come the occasion when he'd get the name, the opportunity to wrestle somebody that was a name, and they completely fucking phoned it in on him. Is that correct? Would you say that's fair? I, would, I wouldn't say he phoned it in. No, not him. The oh, names. the name would Pay phone attention. it in on him. The names would phone it in. Yeah. And so Matt would get frustrated because he'd yeah. be standing there left holding the bag trying to get something great out of somebody that just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, it was there to collect their, yeah. collect their cash and, and uh, sell their merch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Matt, so then Matt would go, he, go back to just wanting to have yeah. good matches. Good matches. That's all he wanted. And, of course, then he would talk about how he wanted a title. But then he would go back and say, no, I don't want a title but then at one point he's very aggressively saying, I want the title, I want to be the guy. Then something happens. I think personally someone got in his ear, and I think I know who, but I'm not going to name names. But Matt shows up the day of the show where we're supposed to have this huge moment where Matt wins the Inspire Pro Pure Prestige Championship. This is also just, uh, you know, things, things have also been weird with Albert for a while now okay yeah. so I, I need to bring that up and i feel like a lot of this is my story to tell so i'm gonna tell it um but matt is like you know i don't want to win the belt don't put the belt on me i don't think i'm the guy i'm not the guy to, to carry it i don't want the responsibility i'm not the guy you're not going to get anything out of me holding the title and i'm like i don't that's not really my concern my concern is just telling good stories at this point you know we're still contending with wrestle circus so all my all my goal is uh, is is to make sure that all of our shit is just hinged on things that our crowd wants, what they want to see, and telling good stories. That's all I want to do, right? But Matt is just like, put it on Jeff Cobb, brother. And I'm like, Jeff Cobb ain't always available. Yeah. It was amazing that we had Jeff Cobb for this show, and I was so excited that he was there. But Jeff Cobb's <laughs> a flight. Jeff Cobb uh, costs money. Yeah. And Jeff Cobb is so busy. Yeah. Like, you had him in New we, Japan, too, a lot. So we, you, we have him booked for this show. Yeah. We don't have him booked for multiple shows. No. We have him booked for this show. Yeah, and that is that is still a fucking minor miracle <laughs> that we were able to get Jeff Cobb for this show because that man was in high demand. He's yeah. still in high demand. He's a busy dude. Yeah. So when Matt is sitting there going, going I don't know, just put the belt on Jeff Cobb. I'm sitting there going, man, you motherfucker. I'm so mad at him, right? <laughs> So I'm walking around, and uh, I remember Albert is sitting on one of the merch tables. And he goes, hey, hey brother, hey, bro, come here, let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, this day's going great. This is just what I need. I need to talk to Albert. I wonder what, <laughs> I wonder what awful thing he's going to tell me about. I wonder if he's going to tell me again how I don't deserve to be where I am. Oh, this ought to be good. But Albert pulls me aside and says, look, I know we've had our differences. I know we've had problems. I know we haven't always gotten along, you know, but I'm in a different headspace now, you know? I'm, I'm different now. And he says, you know, and, you know, I heard Matt don't want the title, you know? And he said, fuck Matt, man. Why, why don't you give it to me? Why don't let me do it? Let me be the guy. I'll be the guy. I'll do this. I would be happy to do this. I have to admit that over the last few years, you know, I haven't always been easy with you, and we have butted heads, but you care about Texas wrestling. This isn't about Wrestle Circus. You weren't here to get yourself over. I I have to admit it. You've stood the test of time. You've done this. You've weathered it. I want to be the guy to help carry this company forward. I want to be the guy. Give me a chance. That's what he said. And I think I, I kind of listened and shook my head. And I walked over to you and I said, what about Albert? <laughs> <laughs> and I think you did that. You looked. You did. You're. 
you kind of shook your head and kind of laughed. And I said, look, man, this is the way it is. And we knew Sammy, Sammy had to go. Yeah. And we just want him to go, but... but Sammy was going. Some, yeah, Sammy, Whether we took the belt off him or not, he was, yeah, he was going. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he was almost doing us a favor. Yeah. You know, by being here. So, and of course, uh, there's also this weird wild card element of... Masada, <laughs> who has recently moved back to Texas from Philadelphia, right, and is uh, looking for bookings. Yes, um, and so he's kind of like a little insanity on the potato here. Yes, you know? um, but it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, Masada. Um, this is the night that some interesting things also happen at the bar with Masada. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is almost spinning out his balls. Yeah. Um, in case you have, if you're not from Austin. Austin is a very liberal city, and it is like it's it's a it's a little blue oasis in an otherwise red desert. And Masada is a very colorful character who tends to be very liberal in an unliberal way. Yes. <laughs> it's just language. We'll get to that a little bit later <laughs> yeah. on. Um, but so okay, here we are. Matthew Palmer decides last minute that he doesn't want the fucking belt. I'm living. <laughs> I'm walking around <clears throat> fucking sulking. Albert is like, bro, let's just let's just do let's let, uh, give me a give me an opportunity. I'm gonna mention this now because I was gonna save it. We have also lined up Matthew Palmer's first defense. Oh yeah, against somebody, his hand-picked opponent. Yes, he which, hand-picked this opponent, which is Shane Strickland, who I'm a huge fan of. Right, so Matt's basically like, "Hey, I, you know, when I get this title, the first person I want to defend the belt against is Shane because I know we can have a hell of a match." So we have stuff lined up with Matthew as the fucking champion. You know, it's not like we're putting the belt and then we're going to figure it out after the show. We have long term. We've plans. got stuff planned. We have a year of booking. Based <laughs> on, I sat down. With my little fucking dry erase board and wrote out shit for Matt for the next fucking year. It was supposed to be everything he wanted. It was supposed to hit all the notes. I was going to play the Matthew Concerto for a fucking year straight. And then he does this. And then, then like, when I mentioned... I think this was even at the show. I said, like, well, um, then I'm going to put Albert with Shane at the next show if you're not taking the belt. And he goes, why? Why? Yeah. And I'm like, because it's supposed to be <laughs> Albert's fucking big first defense. Like, yeah. it's supposed to be the defense of the belt. Yeah. We're doing this so that we can put Shane in a ring with our belt. It's supposed to get eyes on the belt. Yeah. And what do we do if it's just Matthew, <laughs> the guy that lost this match? <laughs> wrestling Shane. Shane Strickland. Yeah. Because in, and, and it's also, you know what, man? I don't care. I like logic and wrestling. If it doesn't make sense, don't fucking do it. Yeah. And this is really one of those situations where I'm just like, why the fuck would Shane come in and wrestle the guy that <laughs> lost this match? Yeah. Shouldn't, you know, it just, it was an opportunity to get people to look at our belt. And that's, I mean, if, if, if Matt had gone over, he would have been wrestling Shane with that belt. And he didn't, he, he changed it. He got, he got sulky about it too. Um, now this is also, um, we did the telltale heart thing with the, with the Masada entrance. Yeah. Where we would randomly play the heartbeat throughout yeah, the show. Was, yeah, we didn't anno- announce that he was yeah. in this match. It was just like, he was going to show up and fuck somebody up, <laughs> yeah. right? That's what it and was. And he showed up for the main event. Yeah, he said he had a bone to pick with somebody. Yeah. And as this is this is actually kind of a brilliant stroke. We knew that we had Masada. We loved kind of teasing that he was coming back after someone who he had business with 
and a history with in that building. And that person that he had history with in that building was Matthew Palmer. Yep. It really was this beautiful thing. It would have also been an amazing moment if Matt had also uh, faced Masada again and had the title in the picture and he walked away with the belt. But yeah. but no, Matt. No, you had to fuck it up. I'm just kidding. I love you, Matt, but God damn it. So, and I mean, <laughs> the, I mean, one of the coolest things to come out of this match was the interaction between Masada and Jeff Cobb. Oh, I mean, that man, was pretty fucking cool. This match, okay, so this match, when we put this show up, this should be the match that we kind of yeah. promote. But this whole match was fucking insane. Yeah. It is it is just it is like a fine match for a for like a, you know, it was like a five-way, wasn't it? I mean, Yeah. I mean, so this Jesus. this is the weird Now, we were originally going to do the four-way. Mm-hmm. Right? And we we tacked on Masada, but this is you know, usually I'm very staunch on, okay, you have a name, one on one, get the most out of that name to give a rub to a single person. But this is one of those times we're putting all these people together, kind of just on top of the fact that we we're back in Marquesa, um, just kind of it, added it, it. Yeah, it also made the, it also made this, this particular match, it made it feel huge. Yeah. It felt, it felt like a crisis on an infinite earth, you know, it felt, it felt huge. Um, secret wars type shit. Right? Yeah, it felt it felt like a cataclysm in in much the same way where I remember where we were butting heads with Sammy and Lindsay and Matt Cross. I know there was it when we did that match. There was talk about well, let's break this up and make make the most of the money. But when you put all these elements together, it's just combustible. And this yeah. was very much an instance where this wasn't just a big dumb spot match. This is this was like. This was this was a, the, the, the meetings, the it, meetings, the, the the face-offs in this felt yeah. huge. Like when when Cobb and Masada faced off in this, goosebumps. Um, do you, uh, do you remember um the final four pay, was it final four or fatal four pay per view like yeah. in '96? To oh, me, it water, felt yeah. where they had multiple stories all coming together. It sort of felt like that felt to better. where, like, okay. Felt better, yeah. I think, it, it, because it made more well, sense. No, and, nothing in 96 could be that great. No, but, you know, not, not at all. But, um, but the, the this match is phenomenal. Uh, it felt good to be home. Uh, and I got to say, like, I did have, I had one of my weird in-ring moments that I never, I rarely ever do. And, of course, I had trouble getting in the ring because um, my ankles are garbage. Um, but I actually hugged Albert in the middle of the ring. Which is funny because I suddenly realized that people knew that there was kind of a weird schism between us. And yeah. We didn't get along because when people saw Albert and us hugging, it was actually a big deal to a lot of people. It really surprised me. But um, we came home and we revisited a lot of our history and we were able to just reconnect and heal wounds, it felt like. Yeah. And... uh. I really love the fact that I was able to... The fact that Albert got to wear that belt meant a lot to me. It really did make me feel good. It was a big deal. And, uh... Like I said, full circle. And then Masada went to the bar and called the people a bunch of fucking faggots. <laughs> oh, my God! Yes. What the fuck, Masada? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean... That happened. <laughs> yes. Um... Man, you know, the thing is, is that, and I understand, Masada is Masada. Masada is a yeah. genuine character. I don't believe that he has any hate in his heart. He's a great guy. A little scary, yeah. but a great guy. Um, 
But yeah, that was, you know, a lot. I know that he tried to get back in the fold a little bit, but unfortunately, due to the fact that he had used that language with the staff and in front of the management meant that we could not bring him back. And it's a little hard to explain to somebody yeah. why you can't why you can't tolerate that who doesn't, just doesn't really understand yeah you know? and uh, man it feels like i'm defending the the horrible people again but like you, you gotta think too here's a kid that you know became a, a wrestler right um started traveling to japan when he's like 23 like has not lived in normal society for no. most of his fucking life you know like not that that's an excuse for it but you and know, he comes from a family of scholars. He just has like the weirdest, most yeah. just varied background of most anybody ever. He's a really interesting character, man. But yeah, yeah, that definitely made it hard to um to number one be. I mean, with our audience, we can't have that. No, we just can't. Absolutely we're, not. We're, there's there's too many. Too many people that pay their hard-earned money to come to our shows, and, and we've worked would really be greatly hard. Greatly offended we've, by that. We work really hard to cult, to have cultivated a tolerant audience, and an audience where uh, you know, I remember when Dusty Wolf came to our one of our shows, and he looked at the crowd and he said, "Oh my God, there are women here." Yeah, you know, because let's face it, most most wrestling shows they don't they don't have a crowd that is friendly to people who are different. It's all kind of big fat drunk guys. And we've really tried to make it so that we are inclusive. We have people who are trans. We have fans who are gay. We have fans of all different colors and creeds and genders. And it is a lot of different people in that space, and all of whom feel very comfortable, which is why we feel the need to really police this shit. But, yeah, that's, I mean, I hate saying it, but that's that's why we couldn't allow Masada back in the building. You know, <laughs> just, it wasn't even our, it wasn't, it, it was, it would have been our call but at the same it, time it was kind of out of our hands yeah. too but uh there you have it man this was a huge show now what's interesting is we also i think we impressed the people um yeah that's important too right yeah so. wait a second i do have one question to ask when did you know who come in and run a show there Oh, no, that's after this. Okay. That's, that's long so, after this. So, yeah, yeah. This is a, there's some interesting things on the horizon. Yeah. We'll get to that in, in a bit. But I think we really impressed the, the management and the faculty there because I remember there was a girl who was there, and she seemed really worried the whole time. Yeah. She was kind of riding our ass. And then when we broke down, lickety split, she was like, that's it? I'm like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you're expecting, but yeah. we're done, man. We're, 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 we're out of here. We broke down fast. Our crowd was courteous. We weren't too loud, you know. Um, and she basically said she would book us back here in a heartbeat. Yeah, and it was really that night that we had, you know, I'm pretty sure we got the next year worth of dates lined up. We did. Uh, very quickly. Yeah. Which was nice. It was the first. Yeah. We've never really had a, a venue be courteous enough to let us know what we could have in advance and so th and that makes a world of difference yeah. man that's another thing that's a built-in thing that i wish we could have is a venue that would tell us hey you have these dates a yep. year in advance because it's yeah. so much easier to book and plan and get people uh, yeah. lined up and, and you're going to see some of the guests that we have over this next year and how how much easier yeah it was. it was it was to be able to do this stuff yeah um the the other thing was there was potential for us to run the January show here as well, um, but we would, we're going to go back 
to South, uh, South Austin East. Sports Center due to the fact that we're getting the building for free, free. as yes. payback for the, the craziness. The and we, we also, we, we had this cage match booked and we were not entirely sure if the cage would fit or be safe in the in the AFS space. Yeah, absolutely. So we're kind of taking advantage of that, and we're going to go back and try to jam as many people in. So it was a, it was an opportunity to get a big bump of uh, of, of revenue. Yeah. It was you know it was a good deal, but yeah. So while it while we were we had we came in, it was a home run at AFS. And we knew that we were going to be back, and we were excited to announce that, that we didn't initially. And everybody was like, oh, this was so great. We wish you could do this all the time. And then we got to go, surprise! Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, later on. But this was this this was great. But, yeah, we would have to kind of walk back to the Austin Sports Center like the little rascals. We were going to do one more fucking gig there with those fucking, those fucking dopes. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, is it bad that I'm talking shit? Does it matter? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I could see doing business there, just not as Inspire proper. So I, we, I, just, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to do business there yeah. again. And especially not at that fucking jerk managers there. Yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is I don't think that we burnt the building much like we torched fucking Red Oak Ballroom on no, the way out. We left on good we, terms. We left on good terms. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a... That's a that's a, a feather in our cap, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, good talking, Biss. Yeah, man. I don't think we're gonna go right into our show at Austin Sports Center. Instead, I think we've got a fireside coming up with Dan the Man, which is a two-parter. Nice. So for the next two weeks, you get a break from uh, us J Brones. <laughs> well, not me, Biss. Fuck Biss. He's out of here. <laughs> next week, you're gonna hear me one-on-one with Dan the Man, and boy. Uh, these two firesides are actually really illuminating. They're going to talk a lot about um, the call-outs. They're going to talk about where Dan came from. And uh, about a lot of the faces you see in Inspire Pro and even Heavy Metal and uh, a lot of other places. So please join us for that. And uh, we'll, this and I will be back after that shit. Stay tuned.